Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. They're a benefit, it's not my problem. We don't have to be mean, because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Conan, what is best in life? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of their women. Groovy. Can you hammer a six-inch spike through a board with your penis? Not right now. The girl's got to have her standards. It gives her a sense of control in a world full of chaos. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in the philosophy of a ruling class, especially since I rule. You have offended my family, and you have offended the Shaolin Temple. Welcome to the Cult of Classics. The podcast where two film buffs take you through a movie, a cult classic specifically, and uh, give you all the knowledge to, that you need to you know, give that guy at your coffee shop who's got the ponytail, but also the receding hairline and the vest and the corduroy pants who just won't shut the fuck up about gremlins. You, you can tell him to go on somewhere now. I feel like this guy keeps popping back up. He's, he's you know, I don't, it's weird because I don't have a specific person in mind, but like I, I have, it's an amalgamation of like 15 people I've known over the course of my life. <laughs> um, I am your, your one of your hosts, nope. Liam Kelly. I am joined as always by Tarver Peterson. Um, and we have special guest Jay McClendon in the studio with us today. What's up, Jay? Uh, Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. I, I would I would like to ask if you would uh, refer to me by my Christian name, which is John Big Booty. <laughs> uh, I thought it was Big Booty. <laughs> oh well. Tang, Tang, Tang. Only in the north. Yeah. In the south is Big Booty. <laughs> big Booty. Yeah. Or Big Boot. In the south, it's all Big Booties. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> um, now, if you don't like it, you know you can take that watermelon with you. I don't. And I'll tell you what it's for. But I'll take it right now. <laughs> but he will really will never tell you what it's for. <laughs> Um, if those weren't enough clues, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, we are going to be discussing the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension today. Yeah. What, what, I, I like to, um, this is a true cult, this is one of the quintessential cult classics. Yeah. Because this movie came out and 84. 84, and really bombed. Yeah. Maybe. Now, 84 is a stacked year. Yeah. To, for, for the benefit of the makers of, you got Ghostbusters. Gremlins, yep. mm -hmm. Purple Rain, the song, the album, and the movie. Yeah. You... Did the movie do well? Yeah. Well, really? yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. I've never um, seen Purple Rain. Oh, well. I got some friends that you don't say that around. Though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop, which is in December. Revenge of the Nerds. I mean, it, 84 is one of the quintessential, I consider 1984 to be the quintessential pop culture year. Not just movies, music, TV. If you talk about the 80s, the 80s really start in 1984. So it's understandable that a movie like this would just get caught under the radar since there was so, oh, sorry, so much out there. But yeah, it, it, it did flop. It flopped hard. Yeah, it didn't even make half of its production budget back. In but fact. it was ambitious as fuck. It was. And a major motion picture release, which yeah. is the craziest thing about right. it. Right. Yeah. Because today it, it looks like a spoofy... Um, you know, just straight to VHS kind of movie. Yeah, it looks yeah. like uh, it's making fun of itself, and yeah, it it has a eccentricity all its own that I think that you you know we take advantage yeah. of today because a lot of movies I think want to be cult movies. You right. can't you can't yeah. intentionally make a cult movie. No, nah. it's got to be so out there. That people just go, uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. But then one person like, no, this is cool. And that is this movie. There's one person out there who saw this in the theaters like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Everybody else is like, man, you can keep this. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing about this movie because it was plagued by problems when, when it, like, not just once production started, but getting it to production. There were a number of drafts written before an initial treatment was ever put together. And... Um, the, the crazy thing about it is that when they had originally gotten a buyer from MGM 
And instead of producing it, there was a writer's strike. So all, all production halted for quite some time. Writer's strikes are never good. No. It's because of the writer's strike we got Transformers, Roll Over the Floor, I'm mean, sorry, Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> Skids and mud flaps are the reason why we have, it's because of the writer's strike, because there were no actual writers. And, mm. no. Yeah. Oh, and they eventually a production studio was created to make this movie, uh, and it was bought by 20th Century Fox. But... There were so many problems with the 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 financiers having having troubles creatively with the director and the writer uh, that they decided to like they had originally planned to release it in June that got pushed back to August limited release and then like the rest of it came out a little bit later and they had a number of creative differences that led to <laughs> the people at 20th Century Fox just essentially saying like uh oh. We do not have the next Raiders of the Lost Ark on our hands. No. We, in fact, are going to market this by taking it out to a bunch of conventions and marketing it as the next cult classic, like a cult classic in the making. So a lot of people were, were a little hesitant about that. This is according, of course, to you know a person who was alive in 1984 and not me. But um, the, the initial reaction to it was... It wasn't super well received, even in like the nerddom community. It, it did organically have to build a cult following after its release because yeah. there was just nobody excited <clears throat> to see it when it came out. And it's just a it's just a, a really odd film. I don't know if you'll ever see another Buckaroo Banzai because it 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 feels good when you watch this movie for some reason to me. It it felt right. Usually, I don't like stuff like this. Um, I think the biggest comparison I straight up can draw to it is. Uh, once Upon a Time in China, or I'm sorry, Big Trouble in Little China, my yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Peter Weller, yeah, is, is Jet Li. Those two got a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> but Big Trouble in Little China, that is kind of like the, it's so ridiculous. You know, it's it. Big Trouble in Little China has the, the issue with, it's like, is it a comedy? Is it taking itself seriously? It's it's hilarious, but it's hilariously bad. Yeah. You know, like, it's like the char- the main character is so over the top that it's 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 just strange to watch but somehow Buckaroo Banzai manages to have just enough endearing elements and just enough um movement kind of in in the pacing and the way uh the characters just kind of you know they just fall into place and it's just like oh what are we doing okay cool like the exposition just flows and there's just something about the setup and the execution of Buckaroo Banzai that makes it a fun ride and, and you know at, at times it's just like well this is just ridiculously campy and bad but it's just fun your big trouble in little china comparison makes a lot of sense because the director of this movie wd richter wrote big trouble in little china well i felt very similar yeah <laughs> yeah so. um but just kind of some opening thoughts um this movie is for sure an acquired taste like it's mm. it, it is it, it deserves its cult status because for one it Liberty flopped, and for two, it has a very passionate, very niche audience. Um, <laughs> the the thing that I was thinking as I was watching, I was like, as with a robust cigar, <laughs> I, I may front like I totally like it at like a party or in front of a bunch of cigar enthusiasts, but it wouldn't be my first choice to watch in mm-hmm. in many settings, uh, especially alone. <laughs> um, the plot is straight up is wild. It goes all over the place. A lot of things happen all at once. And I think that you can attribute that to having a, a main character who is essentially five people. Like yeah. he is a well, let's just let's let's count him up. He is a a physicist. Yes. He is a neurosurgeon. Yes. He is a rock star. Yes. Um he is uh, raised in Japan. He was raised in Japan. He is half Japanese. Yes. Which is not what Peter Weller is. But you know, they gave him dark hair, so Right. <laughs> same same. <laughs> and, and, and he has a katana and he bows. Right. Yeah. So if if Stephen Hawking and Prince Right <laughs> and Sonny Chiba yeah. walked into a bar one day they create Buckaroo Banzai. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is it? I don't know. I just you kind of go with it though, right? When they when they're like, this character is he's all of these things. You're like, I mean, that's nonsensical. But if you yeah. buy, if you buy the opening not line about Buckaroo Banzai, then I feel like you buy the rest of the movie a lot yeah. more easily. Well, it, it it does what if if anyone out here listening reads anything about screenplay books, there's the edict of show don't tell. Now mm-hmm. there's opening crawl. In the in the movie that sets you up, there is. Oh yeah, which is like five chapters worth of information, right? But 
it shows you. There's no character that's saying like, you know, Buckaroo Banzai does all this and that. Now his 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 uh, entourage, his click, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, yes, kind of do that. But they're yeah. with him. So in the beginning with the with the rocket car, well, well, he, we don't even do the rocket car first, do we? No, the, we do the, the, first the surgery, right? We do the surgery, right? Yeah, we do the surgery. Well, we we open with rocket car, and they're right. like, "Where's Buckaroo?" Oh, okay. And they're right. like, "Well, he's wrapping up a, a brain surgery right now." <laughs> oh, so, so so let me go back to that. Uh, Prince Stephen Hawking, Trapper John M.D., and Sonny Chiba walk into a bar. Okay, yeah. but yeah. you see, the, and this is another like a, a movie edict. You know, uh, Alfred Hitchcock says you want to see a character do whatever they do well. Right. So you see, like, if he was an idiot and just like, is that a brain or a, or a septum? I don't know, but he goes about his his existence. Yeah, doing surgery, and well, this is great. This is a great moment in the movie too. This I feel like this is one of the best parts in the movie too because it it sets up something that you and I have talked about before: the language of this film. And oh the, yeah, the language of this film is, is they're going to throw terminology that has a place in the arena that they're in, like in surgery, they're going to be talking about parts of the brain, but then they're going to be talking about other parts that aren't in the brain, and they're going to be talking (laughs) about all sorts of nonsense, and they're going to have Buckaroo Banzai really kind of like comedically underscore his genius when he says like, oh, don't touch that. You never know where you don't know it'll. No, you never know where it goes. <laughs> you know, he's just like and he's, while he's doing brain surgery, and I believe the procedure is to install an audio device or something into someone's head that yeah. lets their body respond to sounds. I, they they kind of like quickly explain that they're doing some experimental procedure. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Jeff, but Jeff Goldblum, do you play piano? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, as a matter of fact, I do. Oh, yeah. And, and it's I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I, I yeah, dance. It's crazy. I, I, well. I, I yeah. can dance. Yeah, yeah. you probably crazy. learned that on Transylvania 65,000. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that, that language that they use in this little opening bit of the surgery is going to be throughout the movie. They, yeah. do it, they do it all the time. It's, it's one of the best bits uh, of this film. Yeah. Really. I will say, I think that, I mean, I love Peter Weller. I love his presence. Yeah. I loved him in Screamers. I loved him in Robocop. I love Peter Weller. I think he's a, a fantastic actor. I will say that the the fact that Buckaroo Banzai as a character is so incredibly cool and cool tempered, yeah. it it limits his his range in a lot of his things because it's like you know it's like okay well, um, World War Three is gonna happen if I don't do do this right now and I'm the only person who can do it. Damn baby, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Oh, yeah. you're my ex wife's twin, and you just showed up and you just tried to kill yourself. Oh. That's crazy. And see, and then they, they do <laughs> right. that. But that again is the language of this film. That scene right there, just to skip to what you said, when she tries to kill herself, she's got the tag for the gun hanging from the gun. Yeah. So they, they comedically underscore all of the serious moment. At at its best, that's that's when they're at their best. Yeah. When they have a serious moment and they comedically underscore it. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. Hong Kong Cavaliers, aka yeah. them Grappage Gap Boys. <laughs> All just bring out guns immediately. They all have loaded weapons with them on stage. This is one of my favorite moments in the film. And all of those guys are pretty much like a 1980s Hall of Fame, that guy. Well, the movie is filled with, I consider this movie to be a a Hall of Fame, that guy movie. Yeah. Just based off of of cast, okay? Yeah. So Christopher Lloyd. You, okay, you got you got um, what, what was his character's name in in Taxi? Reverend Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie, he is the famed Big Booty. Big, big boot. Yeah, Big Booty though. <laughs> big Booty. Is there a rapper <laughs> out there by the name of John Big Booty? If there's not, that is. <laughs> I got your name. That's I actually, got your name. That's right my there. MC name, and I'm gonna <laughs> get with Blake, who is the Mothman Prophecies, and we'll be <laughs> them, them reference boys. I gotta check. That piff to see if there is a John Big Booty. Because if there is, I'm checking that mixtape right now. There certainly isn't a little booty. No, <laughs> there is a John Smallberry, so okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but there's 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 a it's an amazing ensemble. Yeah, that yeah they perfect have. Tommy was Lewis Smith. Yeah, perfect Why, Tommy. Who is he? Please, tell. Okay, here. All right, he is a jacket wearer. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for those for those people who grew up in the 1980s and watched a lot of VHS, you probably remember a, a pretty bad movie called The Heavenly Kid, which is about a guy, a greaser from the 1950s, who dies and has to come back to help out a young kid. And that was Lewis Smith. That's why I know Lewis Smith for. And, and the kid that he's helping is Jason Gedrick, who played the kid in Iron Eagle who has to go get his father from the quote-unquote Arab country, you know, mm-hmm. and the mother 
of that show, of that movie, was played by Jane Kaczmarek, who was the mother on Malcolm in the Middle. Oh yeah. yeah. While we're talking about mothers, there is a deleted scene in this from Buckaroo Jamie, Bonsai where Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis was was cast to play his Buckaroo Bonsai's mom in a flashback yeah. before that terrible bomb, <laughs> the, the bombing of the speeder right. car when they yeah. were originally well actually the second yeah. time they were working on the the overdriver. What bomb? Uh, Buckaroo Bonsai's parents were killed in a car bomb. I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> well, delete a scene. Yeah. Delete a oh. scene. And also, like, there's just a shitload of stuff that oh, gets yeah. thrown at you. Yeah. With that, that being said, let's hop into Act One. Yeah. Um, we we just step right into the plot, moving. Yeah. After the opening. Crawl. And this sucker moves. Yeah. yeah. This is this is a moving movie, and and which is good. Right. And I can admit, as a as a kid in the '80s. I never had a Buckaroo Banzai phase, meaning that yeah. it wasn't a movie that I saw a lot of to to know the <clears throat> lines yeah. to it. It wasn't yeah. a Ghostbusters for me. It wasn't a Terminator for me. That was another 1984 movie. But I ended up seeing it from time to time, but it, 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 never to the point to where I would just go, oh, it's summertime, I'm out for school, I'm going to watch Buckaroo Banzai every day I'm out of school. Right. It was one of those movies like, I need study to watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, and you, you kind of do because it drops you in to the middle of all this stuff. Yeah. And you just go, um, okay. Yeah, the feeling you get when this movie starts is like, is there a, is this based on like a comic book right. or something yeah. that I am yeah. not familiar with? Like that's kind of the feeling. You you feel like you you know like we we joined this program already in progress, right? Yeah, <laughs> and which is cool. I like that yeah. feel. Yeah, because I mean, you, you assume there's some literature about this, right? Yeah. James Bond movies do this because yeah. every Bond movie starts off with his last mission, and yeah. then But this is way different way, than yeah. Bond. It's like way a comic different. Book. Yeah. yeah, and current you know current mission at the beginning is brain surgery slash like on his physicist tip. Yeah, and we're doing yeah. like. We're, we're testing out the jet car, but like surprise, there's also a covert plan just between Buckaroo Banzai and uh, I want to get his name right, uh, Doctor Hitaka, yeah, who is right. his mentor, yeah, yeah, yeah. who is the only member of his posse, his like go-go posse that's not also in the band, right? Because that I think true. He's based not on the, in the band, based on the timeline of the movie, I think that's acceptable though because he has to be nearing a hundred years old. Yes, based on the timeline <laughs> of the movie, and, and, just, and to indicate this, Jay, it's very important. They spray him with some silver like um, paint <laughs> yeah. on his mustache and hair, and they right. have him kind of yeah. hunch over a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. But he plays into the the bit of actual backstory. He does that. We'll see that you get. As a as an ed- education, it's the one point in the movie is like, all right, we're gonna tell you this, yeah. we're gonna tell you this, <laughs> we're gonna show you this. Yeah, you should be able to keep up. We're gonna tell you this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we get so we you know we get him going through the mountain when he finally actually gets in the jet jet car and they start that. We take our uh, our vision quest through the Twilight Zone theme song and we pick up a brain in the car. And that's just like to introduce us to what the eighth dimension is. Yeah, what, what's Liam saying is that Buckaroo Banzai he takes his rocket car. <laughs> They break through the speed of dimension. He takes a rocket car. Yeah, he takes his rocket car. He, yeah. he flies through the mountain, flies through the eighth dimension, and and then comes out the other side with a passenger, who which never gets explained. I, I just realized that they never uh, they never go in. They nope. never they revisit. Nothing ever happens with that. They thing. revisit it in the at the press conference that he holds right, to explain yeah. what the fuck he just did but, to the world. But it doesn't and have he's any just like see a brain. <laughs> I brought this. From the eighth dimension, I brought a moist soccer ball. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. nothing ever happened. With KY with that. jelly on it. Yeah, there there are a few loose ends. The visual, the visuals actually for the eighth dimension, I think, still hold up. Just if I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like it was not the worst thing I've seen. Like I've seen worse from more recent movies. Like yeah. Lawnmower Man exists. Oh. Don't forget that, everyone. Yeah. Boys and girls, play boys and play, play girls. Boys and play girls. Lawnmower Man exists. What that I, is a movie, and it was made several years after this movie. My my, fa- my favorite bit is Jeff Fahey without a shirt, with Captain Morgan stance. Hi, you got a horse? That's a, yeah. That's yeah. Lawnmower Man. That's it. Yeah. My favorite thing about when he's in the eighth dimension is like he's just like flying through space, and then all of a sudden it's just like man-sized fetus, man-sized fetus, man-sized yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. rides in front of the car. Well, they get they take like um, they basically modeled after microscopic shots of like bacteria and stuff. And, yeah, and they, yeah. That's what they're showing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, and then at this point, after we have after we have the the jet car do its thing, we cut to John Lithgow um, experiencing ego death and having like an out of body experience, and that's going to be his energy for the rest of the movie. And let me tell you, 
there is no greater cinematic feast than yes. John Lithgow as a villain. Yes. There are a series of movies out there, whether it's uh, uh, Obsession, whether it's Blowout, Raising Kane, where he's three villains. Yeah. <laughs> John Lithgow as a villain is... One of, one of my favorite movies as a kid, another 1984 movie, uh, Footloose. He's not a villain. Yes. But he is, you know, Kevin Bacon wants to come to dance and he comes to the small town yeah. and here's John Lithgow as a preacher and he's like, I don't want to be missing from your life. And you're like, oh man, Lithgow's going off, you know. He's a great actor. He, yeah. he really kills it. He yeah. fucking chews it up in this movie. He really there does. There's no cap on yeah. his no, craziness. Yeah, no it's cap. like, there's no cap for how high he can fly. It's like this and... and, and no cap on what you're saying. And one of my yeah. favorite movies of the 90s, Ricochet with Denzel Washington. If you haven't seen Ricochet, it's, it's, it's like the best dare, the Daredevil movie that came out. Forget that. Just, just, watch, just, just watch Ricochet. Just watch Ricochet. Only this Daredevil is, is black and he can see. And yeah. and the kingpin is played by John Lithgow. That's Ricochet. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to watch Ricochet now. Yeah, this. straight up. Oh, it it is entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> but Lithgow as a villain, he he goes all out. My question is, um, in this opening act here, when Lithgow does his flashback, and we get to see him as a four year former Italian professor. And who conducted the initial <laughs> dimensional experience? Doctor Lazardo, right? Lazardo, yes. yeah. yeah. Why did he have to shock himself? That's to right. show us the flashback because he is not of the human realm. He is aware that he is in a movie, and, okay. he's, and he's like, "Let me just you know clamp this steel wool on my tongue so that we can all take a look inside <laughs> of my brain." Right. And in a movie okay. like this, do you want that optical effect of, or do yeah. you want an image of? John Lithgow. John Lithgow yeah. with an electrode on his tongue yeah. with lightning bolts. <laughs> yeah. And then you go. I think that's kind of like a like a pensive from Harry Potter. Like My, he has uh, to yeah, access yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he um he uh his, his notable cast member here, his uh his nurse in the the home where he's at, he's at an institute for the criminally insane, is uh the guy same guy who plays Mike in Breaking Bad. Jonathan Banks, another yeah. that guy of the eighties. Just very not yeah. playing a villain. This time, because if yeah, you saw him yeah. in a movie in the 1980s, he's like, a villain. Oh, yeah, just kind of a turd. He's got the face. I mean, he's an but, ass. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't call his character here a villain because no. from '84 he was in Beverly Hills Cop and he was throwing Eddie Murphy through glass windows. And this That's one, true. he's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, hey, what you doing there, Lizardo? <laughs> yeah. Piece of shit. Well, and like, so we get a lot more information about Lizardo later on, but it's so impossible to try and summarize this movie quickly that like, I just want to kind of go into what Lizardo's all about. So yeah. he knew Dr. Hataka in the 30s yes. when the, all of this was set on its course. So he he's was, young now. Yeah. Because he's not, doesn't have the gray. No. He's not silvery. That's crazy that you're right. He doesn't age. He doesn't no, because he's he possessed by a electroid. But how does that prevent him from... All right, fine. No, never mind. No it, questions. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's the beauty of this movie. I was making a huge mistake, yes. Yeah, no, that's the beauty of this movie is that, like, there's just... Don't worry about it. You can't... <laughs> it's you like, you got a question? That's yeah, fine. It don't, you just, can't just, worry about shit like that. But, um, yeah, so we find out later on that he was a physicist. He was doing... He was working on something similar to what uh, Buckaroo Banzai ends up perfecting, which is the overdriver, which allows you to move through space and time. And he got... He fucked up and was a little trigger happy on sending himself off, gets stuck in the eighth dimension halfway for for a little while because he doesn't blast all the way through. And that's when he gets possessed by the villains of the movie, the Red Electroids. Yeah. Um, which which is a great punk band name. Oh, fuck yeah. The Red Electroids. I'm buying that album. <laughs> Self-titled album. What I love about this scene is that Dr. Hitaki like, is like, no, it's not ready. But then, like, as he's going, he just kind of has that, I feel it, he has that morbid curiosity of a scientist, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, I mean, I guess he's going to die anyway, but we're going to get yeah. some valuable. No, very Gene Wilder. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Stop. Information out Wait, of it. Yeah, he's don't. like, oh, no, okay, well, let me just mark this down. Yeah. Well, and also, John Lithgow's character is supposed to be Italian. I know this, but, like, his... I like to well, think of him as, wine and as toast just like and general European. Like he's just like I know about the quartz where I'm from. <laughs> uh, my accent is from a vast different places, <laughs> and it's not important for you to know. From German, who can tell? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we get we, we get introduced to John Lithgow. We meet our uh, we cut to after you know after you 
make a breakthrough, like earth-shattering scientific discovery, of course, what you then go do is play a show, a rock show for like a kind of big club. Well, we're covering the bases, right? We've got the, we've got the surgeon, <laughs> yeah, the, physicist, by the way, the rock only, star. The only reason that they uh, that we meet Jeff Goldblum <laughs> in surgery, the only reason for that scene is to show that he actually is a surgeon because otherwise there's no need for no. that information to no. be <laughs> presented no. to anybody. I love this scene too with the, they're at the club to play because the, 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 the manager or the owner of the club comes up and he's like, I don't give a fuck what you did today. <laughs> yeah. In my club, you're a nobody. He's like, you hear me, Bonsai? I discovered interdimensional <laughs> travel. Yeah. Uh, he's like, after I just did brain surgery, yeah. <laughs> I got the president on speed. He's like, in my club, you're not nobody. Yeah. It's like, okay. Pay your tap. Yeah. <laughs> so he also has supersonic hearing because he's able to to hear Ellen Barkin's character, Penny Pretty, crying in a crowded nightclub while he's playing the music on stage yeah. mid-coronet solo, I might add. I gotta ask our resident expert, Jay, did Ellen Barkin go on to have much of a career? Yeah. She's in Ocean's 12. Yeah, she, she oh, no, did. Oh, 13, 13. Um, the, oh, uh, uh, the Big Easy. Okay, with, yeah, yeah, With yeah. Uh, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, that's she was right. in. Now, before she was in Diner, which is the Barry Levinson yeah. movie. I gotta say, I um, thought she was very, very attractive woman. Yeah, I mean, if you watch Ocean's 13, she she has stayed very attractive. I, was like, yeah. I thought she had a very unique look. I yeah, check out, like, check out the Big the Big Easy I was like, what, yeah. did Renee Zellweger t- take this girl's career? Because they kind of look similar to me. Oh, a market correction? Yeah, I felt like that's what happened. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I kind of like her better. She does a great job at not having much of a character. Like, her character is all information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, she, she we, we see that also, like, you have to kind of be a super genius to, to roll a buckaroo bonsai, and she proves that she knows what the fuck is happening at the she, press conference. She's the Gracie Law yeah, it's of of this movie. Because Kim Cattrall in, in Big Trouble Little Child, I, I had a, I, mm. me and my buddies in, in art school, we used to have the joke of everything that Kim Cattrall says is pretty much just cut on the exposition horn, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You mean the t- the, the place? The, 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 <laughs> and so Ellen Barkin wants to kill herself, but then she sees the alien soccer ball covering KY Jelly and understands that's at the press conference. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and um, it... it she wants to kill herself, and then she tries to kill but again, herself. Yeah. But again, again, they underscore this with comedy. Right, yeah. they, right, they, right. It's comedic. For, right. It's a very interesting scene, though, because this is the scene where we get the the line, you know, like "Don't be mean." Yeah. Because well, wherever you, know, you go, wherever you go, there you are. Which you, is which is like a Buddhist yeah. nonsense, like a Zen Buddhist I, nonsense. I think it's con- it's it's contributed to Confucius. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's like. It makes total sense and it makes no sense at the same time. Right, and we had a had a talk the other day, and you brought the line up, and just to show you how I didn't have a Buckaroo Banzai phase as a kid, when I heard that, I thought, "Are well, you talking about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome?" Like, no, I'm talking about Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, okay, oh. <laughs> same thing. I mean, Painkiller said that. That's where I know the <laughs> line. Who run Bartertown? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and can, can we get back to the uh, to, to the Hong Kong Cavaliers? Because oh, yeah. what, what's the trip about? Like all the guys in this band. Okay, so we got uh, Lewis Smith, who was from the Heavenly Kid. Perfect, perfect Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. Professional jacket wearer and confidant. I right, don't know right. why he's perfect, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like well, we couldn't get Billy Idol, so do, do this. Yeah. Then, then you got uh, Pepe Lacerna. Who who's uh, Reno Nevada? Yes, yeah. he's one of my favorite. Who gets chopped up in Scarface with the yeah. with the um, with the chainsaw? And um, he's in a there's a Clint Eastwood Charlie Sheen buddy cop movie from 1990 called um, The Rookie, where he yeah. is the chief. And he has a great line. He's like, hey, it's not a job. It's a fucking adventure. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, Clancy Brown oh, is there yeah. as Rawhide, the Kurgan himself, yeah. the, you know. From the fucking uh, uh, Highlander. The broad Highlander. back on which this movie is carried. Right. And he was also Rawhide in. is dope. In Bad Boys, the 83 one, the, sh- yeah. the, the Sean Penn in prison. And movie. recently, if you. Big Star Wars fans out there, he was in the Mandalorian episode six when yep. they're on the floating escape or prison, like yep, space he's, he's the he's the big devil man. He's the big red devil man. Right, and and then there's uh, the big red devil man. The, the other, <laughs> 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 and and then there's also the other guitar player with Pinky Carruthers. Yeah, who is, who is Billy, what a name? Who dude. is Billy Vera? Yes. And what Billy, a fucking name. And, yeah. and and Billy Vera was known for the 1980s. He had a he had a song uh, at this moment. What did you think? 
Papa Doo at this moment. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Talk to Michael J. Fox about that song. He hates that fucking song because it played in that episode of Family Ties. Oh, so when yeah. he goes to weddings, they play that song. And Michael J. Fox is like, listen, I may just have Parkinson's disease, but I hate that fucking song. Cut that shit off. He's like, I, I can still slap you. Yeah. I can. I'll slap you a few times. Yeah. Not yeah. even mean to. And, and then they, and, and now, is Jeff Goldblum uh, considered a member of the Hong Kong he Cavaliers? Not, he's, getting... he's not in this performance. No. But okay. he, he has been drafted at this point already. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Jeff Goldblum. AKA New Jersey. AKA New Jersey. New AKA Jersey. Little Cowboy Man. Yeah. Cowboy Man. He shows AKA up. I mean, Woody. Everybody's got to yeah, have a look. He is Woody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody's got to have a look. And Jeff Goldblum decides to go with a full on red and black cowboy ensemble. Yeah. Clancy Brown is like, hey, man, I got my shit. Yeah. You, you be a cowboy. Which well, turns out he's a little bit of a dead eye later on. Like, he can actually mm-hmm. shoot, yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes sense why he would go with the cowboy theme. But um, yeah. Um, so we get the, the press conference oh, wow. where. Um, we get the, you know, Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, it's so funny to hear so many people call somebody Buckaroo in earnest, too. That was just cracking me up during this movie. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> Buckaroo. What's the plan? But like, um, and he has a tour bus. Yeah, he does. He, a double-decker. A double-decker tour bus where he has a section. Does, it, does he practice with a samurai sword, or is he just... Well, no, he just takes it out and, oh, okay. like, and bows with it. Okay. Yeah, puts yeah. on his Naruto headband. This movie is just like everything dope that you would like everything you would think was super fucking dope when you were like thirteen. Yes. That is right. exactly yeah. what this oh, movie it's, is. It is a it is really cool because it's like a cultural pulp mashup. It is, this is a pulp film. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminds me like before there were Marvel comics. You can correct me, Jay, mm-hmm. but I believe that there were like pulp serial comics for, for yeah. a while where it was just like it was like kind of where Conan came from, and like these characters like were Edgar Rice Burroughs. Stuff. Yeah, there yeah. were characters that just kind of were were mashups of of older of of like of history and, and and other things all put into one. And this is kind of what Buckaroo Banzai. It's like a pulp sci-fi Doc Savage, yeah, yeah comedy yeah. film, and it's. Yeah, that's what I dig about it. Yeah, and w- so what I like about the the press conferences, this is where the plot starts to get like spicy. Like, okay, we well, yeah. get, we get um, this is right before the beginning of Act Two is when we get into the the pulp conference and this or the pulp the uh, the press conference and um, this is where all our alien shit stops starts popping off. This is where he he the red electroids electroids show up to uh kidnap to try and steal the overdriver and they kidnap uh Dr. Hitaka at this point um and this is also when um Pity Pretty makes the connection about the big bang theory she <laughs> so, does which is one of the weirdest most awkward moments in the movie that I don't think landed at all. But, well, yeah. she's just basically saying, like, I am smart. Despite my but don't initial want... introduction being I drunk think... and suicidal, I also have value and will be a, a, a beneficial asset to the crew. But is not. But is not. But... <laughs> <laughs> she, never, she never contributes anything. Yeah, to you this. have to have that moment for her to stick around. Yeah. 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 It, 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 and... They're trying to validate her character besides her beauty, I guess. Well, besides right just being, as it turns Gorgeous. out, Buckaroo Banzai's wife's... Twin, Adair's dead wife's twin. But yeah. later on, <laughs> <laughs> unbeknownst to her, yeah. Yeah. which he somehow solves in the jail cell. But like, when she's telling him are they, about are, her life, are they not identical twins? Like, they must not be identical twins. No, they because, are identical twins. So he's just like, it's he's not clued in by the fact that she looks exactly like his dead ex-wife. But he's like p- piecing it together while it she's together in the jail cell. Later on, yeah. No, he pieces it together right then. Oh, that's true. That's true. He's only, then, but then he like confirms his suspicions yeah. later. I mean, when, when she shows up in his bedroom, then that's when he confirms the suspicions, right? Yeah, yeah, because he's yeah. like, because that's when he's like, I knew it. You're a fucking her twin. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you're like, I, what? Yeah, she has to be the 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 damsel tied to the train tracks towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we does. have to keep her around before then. Instead yeah. of a train, it is a slug thing they made right. with yeah. a bunch of like gross shit put on it in a warehouse o- oozing slime. Right. Yes, the Yo Yo Dine Industries. <laughs> right. This is one of the headquarters. Best scenes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So we get, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're yeah. getting there. We're getting there. So yeah, we get and uh Buck Rubanzai very importantly gets the electroshock thingy that lets him see the electroids. 
which he must have felt like he was losing his motherfucking mind right. before so everybody else. There's so much in this movie. There's so yeah, much. Yeah. Like, I swear to God, this is where I kind of, like, lost, lost it, it yeah. while I was writing the outline because I was just like, God, fucking God, yeah. damn it, there's so much that happened. Like, why are the aliens invisible? Yeah. They're like, did they have to make them invisible? Well, they, I guess so. They yeah. hide in plain sight because, they, you know, they have to get their, their government contractors, as it right. turns out. Meanwhile, John Carpenter's like, I'll just make sunglasses. Y'all can see that shit. Right, which one was made first? Oh, <laughs> uh, this was done before oh. they left. Oh, John Carpenter straight stole oh, this fucking shit. Oh, let's point out as we're going along yeah. other other things in this movie that you're gonna see in other movies, a whole lot simply. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll point that out. Yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, uh, great tidbits in here. Yeah. Great tidbits in Buckaroo Bonsai. We're gonna make them a little simpler, but they're great yeah. stuff. Yeah, because no one went to see the movie, and then it was like, well, I'm gonna take that part. Well, yeah. I'll take that well, they part. just put <laughs> ten yeah. movies into one. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm gonna change yeah. this bit. Yeah. They're like, we're not gonna genre mash up so much as right. we are just gonna make like five movies. Yeah. Because <laughs> Lazarda going through the wall. That's the that's how they that's the Van Damme movie. That's Time Cop. That is Time yep. Cop. That's, that's, that's time all that is. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking time cop. Van Damme so, is a is a Buckaroo. <laughs> is, is the ending of Bi- Time Cop is a spiritual sequel to <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai. I was trying to see if I could fit Die Hard and Buckaroo Banzai together, but I don't think. No, 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 no. Too too straightforward. Yeah, too yeah, based nah, in reality. Nah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Act Two begins. We learn about the Electroid Wars and be from John Parker, who is a messenger from John Emdahl, uh, who is the leader of the the good and righteous Black Electroids and from Planet Ten, um, and they want to help. Yeah, because John John Endall played by Rosalind Cash, who who uh, is uh, no longer here, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, oh motherfucking! I'm sorry. The movie with uh, John Travolta where he gets struck by the thing of lightning and then he has like Michael Michael. No, when he's like a genius. Oh, ah, uh, paranormal pa- uh, phenomenon. No, 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 phenomenon. Yeah, Buckaroo Banzai. Yep. He gets hit by the lightning and he can see the fucking aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, Ro- Rosalind Cash was uh, in in the, in a ton of movies uh, back in the day. Um, Tales from the Hood. You guys have seen that one? Mm-mm. Yes. Um, she's the doctor that works on the, the, the gangbanger kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, she was also, uh, I think she was the dean on, on um, uh, A Different World. Okay. And uh, she was also the mother of, of a movie which featured a young Lawrence Fishburne back when he was Larry. Yeah. One of my favorite titles ever, Cornbread Earl and Me. I love that title. And you got to hear the song, you know. Sounds like a story somebody would tell on The Moth. Look how how young Lawrence Fishburne is. It's back when he was Larry. That was before uh, uh, Apocalypse Now, when when, um, Dennis Hopper got him hooked down here. But anyway, uh, all the aliens are named John. Yeah. Yeah. John something. Yes. John something. Which is a great, I think that's a... Yeah. Strong bit of writing. They it is. It I is. thought that was a good because there's a running gag throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Even stronger, all of the red electroids have hilarious last names. John Smallberry. John Smallberry. John Big Booty. John Big Booty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is one of the best names and, of all time. And uh, John Warfin is John Lithgow's yeah. character. He's the Lord Warfin. Lord Warfin. Lord Warfin. The, the, somehow, the the with the interdimensional thing with him, like he, John Warfin's like spirit possesses. John Lithgow's body because yeah, he is yeah. never shown as Electroid. Nope. So if it's John Lithgow, does that mean that John Lithgow is really a le- red Electroid? Oh, fuck. Oh. That's some real yeah, shit. And, so, and and he is basically Hitler. Basically Hitler. That's yeah. And that's exactly how the black Electroids <laughs> explain it to yeah. They're like, yeah. he's basically Hitler. And this yeah. was before the internet, so this was like one of the first times that comparison was made. <laughs> so the, the, the Hong Kong Cavaliers are like, oh no. Did you ever question why there are black Electroids, why there weren't just red Electroids? Like, wouldn't it be enough if they had to stop th- these aliens that are on Maybe Earth? Maybe being evil turns you red. Black ants, red ants. Yeah. Yeah, and they perhaps. are they're like ant lobster hybrids. I know, but I just thought it was like it, isn't that like a whole plot? It was just it yeah, was it is hilarious. It's like yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. it's like wait, we're just taking the black electroids at their word that they didn't just decide to commit a red electroid geni- Jesus genocide Christ, one day. I just day? realized the most obvious one. I'm sorry. Men in Black. Oh, yeah. Straight yep. up. The yep. plot of Men in Black yeah. comes yep. from this fucking movie. If yeah. you don't stop yeah. them, we're going to blow up the planet. There's yeah. so many movies that take from this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, like you, you know. I, I read the, the the guy who reviewed this movie for RogerEbert.com, I forget his name, but he has this whole running theory that either um, Zalo Sykes is that? No, it's um. Uh, let me see. Let me find his name. It is uh, Peter Subsinski. 
Um, but he has this whole theory that because of all like the absurdist like Pynchony mm-hmm. Thomas Pynchony writing in it, this movie, it, it is yeah, a yeah, yeah. it is a Thomas Pynchon film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he's like, I think one of these people, the writer or the director might be Thomas Pynchon. That is, yeah, it does seem kind of like Because John Big day. Booty is a, yeah. is a Thomas Pynchon well, character. And yeah, Pynchon, in, in some of his later work, makes references to Buckaroo Banzai. So it's like, does he just respect? Yeah, or... Yo-Yo Dine sounds like something out of the crying yeah, of Lot 49. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so, so food for thought. But getting back into it, we get our little bit of, you know, we get our exposition machine cranked up when John M. Dahl, you know, comes down, or, or when John Parker yeah. kind of explains the back Lectroid, Lord Lectroid thing. Um, and uh, more plot happens. Like, the Hong Kong Cavaliers get their message um, from the Archelians, I mean, from the the black red <laughs> Lectroids, um, telling them that, you know, their, their clock is on, they have to stop the red Lectroids, or they're going to a, like attack Russia, start World War Three, and end the planet. Blah, again, blah. again, that, that part made me laugh so hard because I'm like, why don't you just say you could blow up the planet? Why well, do you have to yeah. start a war? Yeah. But do, why do you have to involve the Cold War? They're like, we have the element of the Cold They're War because like, it's 1984. Yeah, so 84. we have to involve the Cold War. I was like, you could just say you could blow up the planet. They're I like, believe you. Like, I would believe you. We're gonna sick the Russians on. It's like we have to make it more convoluted. <laughs> it has to be another <laughs> step. Right. I was like, and it's like, also, we were able to banish them to the eighth dimension, but like, we can't do it again. You guys have to do it. You have to do well, it. Yeah, and, and aren't they all located in that one factory? So couldn't they just blow up that factory? Probably, yeah. They could. Yeah. Or, but where's your movie then? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, and we also learn about Yo-Yo Dine here, yeah. um, Yo-Yo Dine Industries, which is the Red Electroids <laughs> cover. Cover. Yeah. Um, and they also they're government contractors, so they're using their money from the government to try and develop a spacecraft to break them through to the eighth dimension. Um, Where the story goes from pension to Douglas Adams. This is some <laughs> yeah, Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide to the Galaxy yeah, shit. Well, when the fuck did Hitchhiker's Guide come out? Earlier oh, than this. Yeah, or, yeah, no, before yeah, this. Yeah, 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 way before this. This. Douglas, this is Douglas Adams if he did a lot of cocaine. Yeah. A yeah. lot. If he was, and uh, if he was a much worse writer. If he was a, a, a psychic. Yeah, yeah, true. Very yeah. true. I mean, it's actually, hold on. I don't want to shit on the writers. Like, they, there's good, there is talent in, in yeah. every aspect of this movie, from the writing to the directing to the DP you, to for the sure. actors. There's talent everywhere. You got to be an eccentric to come up with this. But it's yeah. like, yeah, it's it's like, this is just an example of... of no one's saying no, and like yeah. no, no one's ever like tighten it up, man. Like, but instead, everybody no, is going for it. Yeah, everyone is going as hard as they can. <laughs> yeah. There is no winking at the camera. They never do. They no. never fucking do. Except the whole in the ridiculousness of the story. Itself. Right. Yeah. That's the only wink yeah. because they never break the fourth wall. They never like. They're like we're we're, which which is why it, it having works, Peter yeah. Weller at the center makes this work. Yeah. And and um and the thing about about Peter Weller. Is is he is a big fan of the movies of Michelangelo Antonioni, who is whatever whatever Famous idea you Boston have Baker. about about art movies of people in you know black and white movies of people staring off in the distance and and feeling alienated. That's Antonioni, right? Mm-hmm. So his life's ambition was to be in an Antonioni movie, which I which I think he did years later before Antonioni died, but knowing that. Those movies, Peter Weller would fit in with his like his laconic kind of Zen style, whatever yeah. it is, and and if you had I don't know, okay, nineteen eighties. In a way, he's like, if, if we had a buddy cop movie with Bill Murray and Peter Weller, oh yes, we call it the Iceman Cometh, but it's not. <laughs> it's not Eugene O'Neill. It's not yeah. Eugene O'Neill. Yeah. yeah, the Iceman Cometh. It'd be the most laconic movie ever. Hey man, <laughs> hey. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you want to go solve this uh, murder? Yeah, we came. We saw. We kicked his ass. Sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> that was Bill Murray. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's at this point that the Electroids decide to fight back um, and do more offensives. Uh, they they bust up into the Hong Kong Cavaliers base. <laughs> and this is where like real drama yeah. enters into this the film. The stakes are high yeah. <laughs> at this point. Like we are losing members of the Cavaliers left and right. Rawhide dies. Rawhide yeah. dies. And and then and rather than just like blast them, they introduce another thing which are these these red electroids have this ability to shoot these little um, barbed spider things. Those are terrifying. That yeah. can just that kill you, and there's no cure for them. Yeah, right. Which they never use again after this 
nope. area. They just paralyze and kill Rawhide, and that's about it. There's they mention like, them later in the factory invasion, but they don't use them because if they did, you would have realized that there's no way that they everyone would have just, wouldn't have just died. Later right. at Yo-Yo Dine, when they have Penny Pretty held captive, they are threatening her with like some malicious, like evil-looking slug type organism but it's yeah, not which the is same the train. Yeah. yeah that's that's it's it's not the same well, they, thing no they but they make mention in in the factory they're like do all of these guys have that little barb thing and and he's like you better believe it man <laughs> because because the black lectoid that uh, comes down is jamaican yes or yeah. caribbean i don't know if yeah. he's jamaican but he has Carl a Cor- Lumley, yeah. by the way mm-hmm. character he's a, actor he he's pretty much i think he's like the martian manhunter in a lot of the dc animated stuff and, huh. and in, in the mid '90s, he was on a TV show called Mantis, black superhero. Yes, yeah. I have John a, Parker in this movie. Yeah, I have a question, John Parker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a question, Jay. <laughs> to me, it looked like when the black electroids invade the Buckaroo Banzai base, and red electroids, the red electroids, and the right. black electroid follows them. They do a super jump. Uh-huh. To me, it looks like yeah. th- what they did was they had those people jump. Off of the building and but but hold their bodies as if they were going up and, and they reverse they, it. They reverse it and they slowed it down. Yeah, that's Bruce Lee trick. That's uh, that's what that's how I imagine they did it. Yeah. So I'm glad that I was <laughs> correct in that. And um, th- yeah, this, this is, is 1984. Now yeah. we don't have we don't have that we ain't got that Marvel money. I want to no. do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you can I do that digitally now. Yeah, want to do that now, but with the sound effect that's like. Blah, blah, blah. No, yeah, I, but I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do the six million dollar man. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I want to do. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do from for a movie that I made. <laughs> that's my dream. That's my dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we we start losing. We lose a, a few of the the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Um, and it's a shame, uh, and it is. I, I don't. Want, I can't. We can't understate the drama in this scene. Like when Rawhide dies and ba- Buckaroo Banzai is comforting him, and he's like slowly accepting that he's not just paralyzed. Like he's gonna die. That that's like, it's a it's an intense. Scene. They play it for real. Yeah. yeah they, they don't. They don't fuck they, around. They don't. They don't do the no. Yeah. Moment. They're they're not. That, that's why this movie works. I said it at the beginning. I'll say it again. Is they take it seriously. It reminds me of, and I, I my wife reminds me about this all the time, especially because we it was just the holidays, and we just watched a Muppet Christmas Carol. Is that oh, part the of the one with Michael Caine? Exactly. Oh and yeah. A part yeah. of a big reason that Michael Caine got the the part of Ebenezer Scrooge in that movie, besides the fact that he's fucking Michael Caine. My name's Michael Caine. My name's Michael Caine. <laughs> oh, people she, don't know that. She was she was she was six years old. Oh, I come from a fish market. <laughs> You're supposed she, to blow the bloody doors <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Just doing Stephen Cook and doing Michael Caine. That's all this shit is. He, um, part, uh, but a big part of the reason he got that part is that he went to the Henson studio people who had approached him to play the part. And he was like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to play this like it's this straight up like hard Shakespearean acting. Yeah. And you're just gonna fill Muppets around me, but I'm gonna be doing my fucking thing up there. And like that's how everybody in this in Buckaroo Banzai is treating it. Like yeah. everybody is going hard. They are yeah. taking it very seriously, and they are all like really acting their asses off. <laughs> They're yeah. all good actors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are really doing a good job. And that's that's and, and that's really what makes it a cult picture. Because if there was that self. That self knowledge, that winking sort of thing, yeah. that lets you go. Otherwise, oh, we're in on the joke. Yeah. Then, then you couldn't, you couldn't take it, take it seriously. It at becomes all. pastiche. You know, yeah. like it becomes satire. It's also a trip that the movie itself, even though you know it sets itself up as part of a series, it also <laughs> introduces yeah. its own fan club into yes. the movie. <laughs> what, 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 what are the they? Blue Blaze Irregulars. The Blue Blaze Regulars. Yes. 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 Irregulars. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that is actually. The beginning of Act Three is right. enter Buckaroo's private military force, the Blue Blazer Regulars. Dude, right. dude, 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 dude. Yeah. I love the theme song and yeah. I love the Blue Blazer Regulars. Yeah. And I love the one section of them that you you they mentioned quickly and you see the Rug Suckers. Yeah, I believe they're yeah. called, which are two dudes with mullets. Yeah, and machine uh-huh. guns. They're oh, called right. the Rug Suckers. And just brilliant writing in terms of like marketing and, and toys and stuff. They were like, "You're you can be a Blue Blazer too," because yeah. like the the because you, you see the kid. Yeah, yeah the kid. Listen, the kid is like leading the charge. Yeah, the kid is like he he. And he's got starts, the poster on the wall. Yeah, and, yeah. 
<laughs> they have a comic book at one point too. Yeah. yeah, he's got his own merch in the universe. In yeah, like he is in the, the movie. Yeah, like in the movie, he is like there are comic books about it. Which like why the fuck wouldn't yeah. there be? So the one guy <laughs> it's postmodern as fuck at that point. Like yeah. it's meta as fuck. Well, that's what makes it so pulpy, and yeah. so like that's the only kind of self-referential thing is that it's like look at us all. Look at all this pop culture we got. Yeah. yeah. Look at all my pop culture. Look at all the jewelry. Look at all the jewelry. So the so the day that it premieres. And there's 14 people in the audience. 13 of them like, I don't know what the hell's happening. There's one <laughs> yeah. guy just like, hey, where's my coat, man? I want, I want my coat. <laughs> yeah. where, where can I sign up? What's the address? Are those yeah. for sale right now? Yeah. <laughs> and God, this eight, movie would do so well now. And it's 84, so there's no website you can click on. God, you just like, do so let's well reboot right it with all the same cast. Jeff Goldblum yeah. looks great. Yeah, Is Peter Weller still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. He was in, um, last time I saw him on big screen was Star Trek in the shitty, I'm sorry, Star Trek in the darkness. He was, <laughs> he was in that, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know that one guy who saw it in the theater was just looking at the end credits like, where's the address for it? Where's the address? Where can sign in? <laughs> yeah. uh. I, I, I uh, actually think that they should reboot Booker of Banzai. There's, there was talk of doing a TV series with Kevin Smith directing it for a while. Really? Yeah, mm. but it never never panned out. That could be a thing that he could I'd do. Li- I think he is a great guy. <laughs> I think he is a good person. There's a Billy on the Street episode where he's playing a game with people called Good Actress or Very Nice. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he is. Well, uh, well he, also, um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China is considered a spiritual successor to Buckaroo Banzai in the Eighth Dimension. A lot of people have said that it was meant as a sequel, but they changed everything. Yeah. So that it's not. A but I, I love one and I hate the other. It's weird. I well, hate Big Trouble, but I love Buckaroo Banzai. Huh. Huh. I think it's because I, I, Kurt Russell pisses me off. I can't stand him. I used to not I, like I can't him. stand him in, in Big Trouble. I can't stand his character. I can't stand how useless, useless he is in the whole movie. I watched a lot of live-action Disney movies from the oh, 60s yeah. and 70s. That's where he got to start. Big time. So I, I, I don't consider myself a fan of anything. But I've seen a lot of. I saw the computer wore tennis shoes. Yeah, and, and, and the things. apple so, dumpling game. Yeah, and I, and and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't think that Kurt Russell has ever given a bad performance in anything. He's been in some bad movies, but he is always reliable. And in Big Trouble in Little China, he's playing John Wayne. I, I don't know what he's playing. Yeah. Oh no, it's John Wayne. But it, that's that's another sure? podcast. That's another okay. podcast. My introduction to Kurt Russell, think. just real quick, was my mom watching Overboard every time it came on TVS, which With was Goldie Hawn. Yeah. yeah. Which that's was what I meant. which yeah. was every fucking day. Yeah. So I had a very strong aversion to him for quite some time. <laughs> but I've gotten over that now. Yeah. Me and Kurt Russell, real cool now. I, I respect him. I, I used to call him the uh, poor man's Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you also can't tell Patrick Swayze and him apart. I'm sure. That's true. <laughs> Tarver has uh, has oh, face blindness. White blindness. Yeah. He does. His white, white actor face blindness. blindness. It's I true. Confused, I'm, I'm still uh, trying to put that together. Dennis Quaid. I confused Dennis Quaid and, and Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, we were talking about um, enemy mine. And enemy mine. And I know it happened while I was at the station. I came up and told <laughs> yeah, Jay. Yeah, you I, told I, I me. Talk, yeah, I talked about this entire movie, yeah. and I was like. <laughs> Yeah, I saw this movie, and then I was like with Harrison Ford in it, and you're like, Harrison Ford is no. not in that movie. And I was like, <laughs> no. I was like, no, I just watched the movie yesterday. Yeah. He's in yeah. the movie. <laughs> so, because yeah. the way you were out. talking about it for a moment, I was like, you talking about Witness? I was like, there's no aliens in Witness. <laughs> no, I was no. talking about there's enemy no big mind. green enemy eggs in Witness. <laughs> yeah. So I'm oh, sorry. So back into Act Three, <laughs> which I mean, okay, so we get the Blue Blazer regulars. It's time to take the fight to Yo-Yo Dine, and we're gonna stop these damn Reds from escaping, and yeah. that that happens. Yeah. So and um, the Blue Blazers, <laughs> I, I don't know the kid's name, but the what the with the, the father that is Bill Henderson, and that's a dude that was in a ton of movies in my childhood from the 1980s and 90s. He was in. Um, white man can't jump. He's one of the singers on the beach, and white man can't yeah, jump. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in Lethal Weapon Four when when they had the big photo at the end. He's Joe Pesci grabs his. I took all day to put this in that cup. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, he was in Clue. He's the cop in Clue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. where most of if if you if there's one movie for millennials and Gen Xers to know him from, it's Clue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which they're rebooting, by the way. Mm, okay. Yep, um, I'm gonna go home and have sex with my wife. That's what <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So um, Buckaroo and John Parker they sneak into a pod on John Worf and spaceship while John Lithgow is just an unstoppable 
like speech one liner evil madman machine at this point. Like he is yeah. Yeah. full on tripping, like eyes dilated, just mushrooms have blasted him off in yeah, outer yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. And um so they again are trying he's it, John John Warfin is again trying to bridge this interdimensional gap without the the tech because nobody thought to search uh, Penny Pretty when they captured her um, because she definitely oh, had the, <laughs> the overdriver on her the In whole her time. Purse. Like that was hard for me to accept. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie that, that that one that one was really hard for me because it is it is um it is hard. Yeah, really hard. Well, and they're like, "Tell us where it is," and she's like, "No," and they're like, "Well, there's nothing else we can do." And her purse is clear, <laughs> yeah. which 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 it's it's a see through purse, which I know is just the filmmakers just laughing yeah. hard as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Like they yeah. they think that is, I bet they thought that was the funniest fucking thing. Oh yeah. yeah, in the whole world, and it doesn't land as a joke at all. <laughs> it just lands as silly. You're just like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So I like to think that that was put there for my people, the black audience, to go like, "You damn fool! It's in the purse." Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, we watch, we watch horror movies. Like, man, like, don't go in there, don't yeah. go in there. So that was the, the, the don't go in there purse. Like, it's in the damn purse. <laughs> it's in the damn purse. <laughs> and at this point, he, 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 you know, John, John, John Warfin makes the same mistake that um, Doctor. I don't know where I'm from, made in the 30s, um, which Lizardo. is, yeah, which is, <laughs> Lizardo, thank you, <laughs> which is, he doesn't have the right tech, and he just decides to try and blast off anyway, it does not work. And then he realizes, oh wait, I'm just in a spaceship, I don't have to go into the dimension right now, and he just starts to fly away in his spaceship, <laughs> Yeah, which I'm like, but then Buckaroo and John Parker realize that their ship, uh-oh, has guns, and they yeah. shoot him the fuck down. But, but he, he launches them out of the ship, Yeah. so yeah. rather than, like, he, he, he gives them the tools to his destruction, he, like, launches the escape pod, the escape pod has guns. <laughs> they have this really weird scene where, like, John Baca and and Buckaroo have to like switch sides while one operates the controls. But I don't know how to drive. I failed f- flight school. And, 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 and Peter Weller at one point just starts like blindly tapping on shit in the yeah. back. <laughs> Like, it's like a Three Stooges bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like when Mo and Larry, are, no, is when when Mo and Shimp are in the 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 um the phone booth. And they're getting caught up in the uh, with with the cables, like, <laughs> yeah. And Mo tries to because it's got the rotary dial, and he dials on Shimp's face. That's all it is. Just yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm I'm gonna move here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they it's not it's not as good as that. Bit. It, yeah. Oh no, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't play as well. No, no, <laughs> because it, there's no rotary phone. It's alien <laughs> shit. Yeah. So you go like, I don't get the context of this. He's one side. He's going to the other side. Okay. Yeah. John Warfin is is killed. He is no more. Which and is, you know. It's, it's, it is what it is. You know, we lose the craziest performance. Like, that's where it ends of all time, yeah. which is John Lithgow, which is just, again, can't stress enough how, how beautiful <laughs> it is watching him. Yeah. Um, Buckaroo Banzai parachutes back down like an OG. I don't know where he got a parachute from. Apparently, there was <laughs> the one. alien spacecraft had a parachute, <laughs> yeah. a parachute just in case. And it insists it's the 1980s, just that optical effect, you know, like when yeah. Frankie Avalon <laughs> oh, was surfing. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, they just because they just roto him. Yeah. And, like, and like, it's just like. You see those hard mat lines yeah, around yeah. there. And he just kind of like they just kind of like all right like jerk him a little bit this way yeah. jerk him a little because he's got to be drifting right because he's yeah. the, you know and because I was looking at it I was like I could do a better job than that now yo well yeah. okay so I got to go on a quick aside here there is a there is a Fast and Furious ride at Universal Studios and there is a one at one point there is a visual effect where you just see there's like a video of all the characters on screen and Vin Diesel's character has. Uh, jumped up and grabbed the the foot of a helicopter, and um. instead of <laughs> and he's holding on with both hands, and instead of doing, and he looks up and he says, "I thought my family was in here." I thought my family was in here. Family, family, Corona family, Mama Dudu, but he he fucking he's holding on to it, and then the helicopter takes off into the air, and he is. Like bored still, yeah. he is just straight. <laughs> He's not moving at all. Like the helicopter jerking all around, and his legs like, like he. It's like it looks like a fucking like just like a fucking like popsicle stick just yeah, hanging down and like. <laughs> but it uh that it, they at least didn't do that. It was better was than good. that. It was Peter, better than Peter Weller falling with the parachute. I want to think that the makers of Eraser, the last great Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie from '96, <laughs> saw that. Only this time they had a plane come towards Arnold Schwarzenegger and he played 
chicken and shot with them? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Because yeah. we're trying to make comparisons with, like, everyone who's ripped off Buckaroo Bonsai. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can see it. Maybe. I'll allow it. Maybe. <laughs> John Park uh, yeets himself back to his people. Yeet. Yeah. Yeet. And, um, uh, oh, we get back and Penny's dead, but a such electroshock a tap. Uh, but and then, she, yeah. She fine. And then, there, uh, because electricity can make you remember shit, it can bring you back to life. <laughs> yeah. In the Buckaroo Bonsai uh, universe. Yeah. And, um, you know, Buckaroo shocks are back to life and they live happier, well, happily ever after. And then the aliens kind of like watch them fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, they live happily ever after as husband and, and dead wife's twin. But That's the aliens, the, the, black, the black electroids do kind of watch them fuck. Yeah. Because they're like smiling. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to not watch. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And um, then we go out on Maybe a Maybe this video. was all a ruse by the black <laughs> yeah, electroids. Yeah, to get them to fuck. To just, you know, we're going to destroy your 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 planet. And after, you know, just watch this, watch this, watch this. They're going to fuck afterwards. <laughs> Maybe it was all a ruse for that, you know? They're like, did we have to go through all that trouble? Like, yes. Yes, we did. Um, yeah, and so movie ends. We go out on a music video and a sequel tease. The, the best, two best scenes in the movie, the opening scene and the final scene of the movie. The final shot of this movie is great. And Are you talking about the the, the walking scene where which, everybody's walking which, in time? Which the Wes up- Anderson from uh, Steve Zissou ripped off straight up with yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can the say straight pay, in. We can say paid homage to the end of Steve Zissou yeah. uh, of Life the, Aquatic is, yeah. is this shot. Yeah, it's, it's it's I call it the Uptown Girl sequence because they didn't have the music for the last sequence. So on set, they played Billy Joel's Uptown Girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you watch it on YouTube, someone took. Uptown Girl. Uptown Girl would put it there, and it's like, oh, of course, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, you're drained of all your serotonin, and you happily nod your head to the music while just a little bit of drool slips out of your mouth. And that's how how you finish watching Buckaroo Bonsai. I was disappointed that they didn't have the the two redneck hunters join them. One of them was John Ashton from... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. He played Taggart. That's uh, that was the police officer. He wasn't of the. Oh, he wasn't of the two red yeah. encounters. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, they, I was hoping that he would be. Yeah, there. he would be cool. That would be that cool if he cool. had been. Yeah. Well, they're not. Really cool. They're not geniuses, so they can't hang with the Hong Kong Cavaliers. And that's just the everyone in the. And they the weren't a member of the fan club either. No, that's true. <laughs> they could have potentially. Whatever happened to Taggart? I thought they were going to kill him. I thought the Red Electrodes would kill him, but I don't think they ever did. They, that's what I say. Why did they have him in the? Yeah. Uh, you know, because Billy Vera is just there. He played guitar. No offense to Billy Vera, you know. And, and Rawhide comes back in yeah. the walk for yeah. the music video. No, he comes back in the end. Yeah. yeah. So because there's because no one really dies. Well, there's a there's there's a a long held belief about the end of Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou because there's a wide of the the boat. Well, I forget the name of the boat yeah. that that Steve Zissou has. You see a person on the top of the boat, and that's supposed to be Owen Wilson's character. Yeah. Because yeah. he's not really dead. Right. So that's why Rawhide's back there, you know. But he is also immortal. He's the Kurgan. That's true. <laughs> so he, can, he, can walk, he can do whatever he damn well pleases. I mean, and he's got something to say. It's better to burn out than and to fade, fade away. away. Yeah. 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 Just waiting for Queen. Here I am. Yeah. I'm the master of your destiny. You know who he looks exactly like in this movie? He looks like <laughs> the, uh, the guy from Dazed and Confused, like the kind of redheaded friend. Of oh, like in the Ben yeah, Affleck, yeah, yeah, they yeah, look yeah. exactly oh, like um, Cole Hauser. I don't. He's he's in. Um, that might be his name. I'm not yeah. sure. But he was the villain in Too Fast Too Furious, right? Oh, I'm more of a Three Fast Three Furious kind of guy. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but he he, he they look. I, I think that's the Cole fucking Hauser. same. Yeah. You know, watch Days and Confused. If you can pick out a guy who looks exactly like the guy that I'm talking about right now, you talking about when they how, when they play the about. Tuesdays Gone? <laughs> yeah, where he tries to get up and he sits yes. back down. That's yes. Cole Hauser. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then Cole Hauser is who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so closing thoughts. Um, I'm tired after this fucking movie. That's my closing thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It I, is. It'll, it'll Life of why you can't, the monkey boy. Life of why you can't, the monkey boy. <laughs> but um, and, and this yeah. is a, and this is a podcast, so you can't see. But the best part is when Christopher Lloyd gives him the finger. It's big bootay, bootay. It's big bootay, bootay, bootay. John B. Booty, you're the most annoying man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> 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 but I think this is I, this movie. It did. It pioneers a lot. It, like, there's actually a lot of. Th- I mean, we, you we, would not have a Marvel Cinematic Universe without yeah. this movie. Yeah, because you heard it here. I mean, it, you it, heard it, it here. It, it, 
tw- how many movies? 22? Yeah, at yeah. least. 22 more now. movies, 11 years. Yeah. You got a bunch of movie fans like, well, that's from this and that's from this thing right there. It all starts with that goddamn watermelon. What's that watermelon for? I'll tell you about it another time. What? Yeah. <laughs> this shit, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and it pioneers genre mashups. It's also my favorite thing about it, which is also the thing that makes it so hard and confusing to watch the first time, is that it's unafraid of just dropping some serious lore in your lap and just saying, like, you get it or you don't. I yeah. don't give a fuck. I'm moving on. Yeah. Um, it is a perfect example of things that could happen in 1984 that can never happen again. <laughs> um, and, um, you yeah, know, there's, there's great lines. There's great performances. Yeah. Everybody is just, again, fucking killing it. Oh, we also didn't mention the president of the United States. Who, is this his back broken? Or? Yeah, some, his he, back is, like, He's broken. in, like, one of those, like, Cirque du Soleil wheels. Yeah. On a, yeah. On a gurney. Yeah. Play, the, played by Ronald Lacey, who was tote from, um... Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the 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 the, the Nazi who burns his hand right, on the yeah. amulet. He was also in uh, remember that the the the, the Paul Verhoeven movie, uh, Flesh and Blood. He was that crazy priest. I never saw that one. You, yeah, with Rutger Hauer. Oh yes, I did see. Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the really brutal one. The yeah, the, yes, the yeah, 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 yeah. The one that was disgusting. What Paul Verhoeven movie isn't brutal? Where the two main characters, or the or the the guy and the girl fuck under the tree with the dead with cool the bodies de- yeah. with, with no pants. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, it's a family movie by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I almost forgotten about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, to sum it up, and in terms of like, you know, to keep it in the realm of, of the cult of classics, like this movie is a perfect example of a cult classic because it is wild. It takes these huge, gigantic leaps that don't always land, and it, it didn't land to begin with, but it's cultivated this audience because you're not. It's it's not a movie you you put on to watch and like. It ain't a casual thing. No, and it's but it's also not so serious. Like it's not you're not yeah. gonna watch like, it's not it's not the level of storytelling that you have to sit down and just super pay attention. Like it's not, it's not Schindler's List. <laughs> it's not well, yeah. it's not even like Knives Out level. Like Knives Out is just it's not it's, like the Fountain. It's, yeah, it's not like. You're not gonna come out of it feeling like you just tried to read some fucking like David Foster Wallace, but you are right. gonna be drained. <laughs> like you and yeah, it, it's not David Foster Wallace. It is. It, it's the crying a lot of this is the crying a lot forty nine, which yeah. is the simplest Thomas Pynchon book. Yeah, it ain't Gravity's Rainbow. Yeah, I, no. I, I, Against the Day was the one I read, and it it reminded me a lot of this actually. Yeah, Against the Day reminded me a lot of this movie. It is just fun. Yeah, like it's, it's just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to meet someone who considers this their sick movie. You know, there's always movies you can watch when you're sick. I have a, I have yeah, a, yeah. a friend of mine who, she was sick recently, and hers is Princess Bride. That's a great one. Um, yeah. I guess Back to the Future is is one. Yeah. Um, Conan, Conan the Barbarian for me. For, yeah. for you? I, yeah. I don't even, maybe Terminator? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can't really give you one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if there's someone out there who Buckaroo Banzai is their sick movie, Shit, that'd be an interesting hang. Right be, beware of that person. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like if your favorite filmmaker is Lawrence Von Trier. I ain't sitting in a room with you. Uh-huh. Keep that shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. That's going to wrap us up. This has been Cult of Classics, uh, discussing the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension, which nobody calls it. Um, I have been your host, Liam Kelly, joined, as always, by Tarver Alexander Peterson. Uh, and... Um, what, I'm sorry, your, your Christian name, what, 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 what was No, we go by the J. Okay, Jay's fine. fine. Okay, yeah, well, and Jay McClendon. Thanks yeah. for coming on, Jay. Oh, uh, thank you. This I, is fucking you know, awesome. To quote uh, a, a Werner Herzog movie, I want my opera house! <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on it, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and listen again next week to another all-new Cult of Classics. <laughs>